The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Spirits Podcast, episode 42, Werewolves. You guys have asked for it, and here it is. Some good, good werewolf roundup. Julia and I, uh, in like middle and high school, would trade like fan fiction and sketches in between classes to like keep ourselves busy during class periods. And I wrote so much Ramus Lupin fan fiction, and I'm so I'm glad we're getting to talk about werewolves. Um, I actually am in the process of moving, Amanda, and I found a book that I wrote as a child. Yes, and it was called the nice werewolf oh that's your aesthetic julia <laughs> it was really really cute it was about a werewolf who's trying to make himself less intimidating so he got his fangs <laughs> removed and he clipped his nails and he tried to shave his head but Aww. you know his friends accepted him as a werewolf anyway do you know who else accept us as we are, Julia? Um, our patrons? Yes, indeed. And we would love to thank the newest members of uh, our patron pack. Kathleen, Cammie, Tired Horse, Gwyn, Casey, Hannah, Chelsea, Seti, Joseph, David, Chandra, and Merrily. You guys rock. You are the full moon bathing werewolves of our hearts. Oh, I love that this episode's coming out right after the solar eclipse, too. Oh, dude, I didn't even think about that. We didn't even put that together, man. Our bad. You know, sometimes you just are kind of lazy and don't think about scheduling, and then things work out. Also, sometimes the planets and moons and celestial bodies just align. Sometimes. Get it? Eclipse joke. Eclipse indeed. joke. Well done. Well done. And also, uh, speaking of the, the hmm, let's try to make this happen, alignment, axis, the, the, the patrons that keep our world on spinning correctly that was good our supporting producer level <laughs> patrons leanne shannon phil Catherine, christina mcf sarah katie deborah and julie and now chandra and now chandra thanks so much chandra what are we drinking julie during this episode god it's such a bad pun i've been spending way too much time listening and talking to our friend mike shubes at yep. the uh at potterless podcast it catches so it's moonshine. Of course it's moonshine. Of course it is. There's actually an apple-flavored moonshine uh, that I got, and it doesn't suck. It's no. a clear liquor that I don't hate. Yeah, and we uh, made a nice, summery kind of sangria cocktail. And if you are one of our patrons, you will find out about that and yes. how to make it. $5 level patrons will get recipe cards, and they are awesome. Yes. Uh, Amanda, recommendation corner? Uh, so I feel like I've spent the last 14 years of my life catching up on The Name of the Wind and uh, The Wise Man's Fear, The King Killer Chronicles by Patrick Rothfuss. I am a fantasy fan and somehow had never read Name of the Wind. And uh, they are, good lord, they are long. It's literally like 2,000 pages between the two books. And it was so much and pretty good. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I think about it quite yet. Isn't this the series that Lin-Manuel Miranda is producing or something like that? Yeah, I think he's involved in the adaptation, which okay. is coming as, I think, a limited series cool. to TV soon. So I figured I wanted to read it before the series came out. That's also what got me finally to read Game of Thrones. I wanted to read it before the series came out. Uh, the world building is intense. It's a cool, like, narrative structure where you're in the present day and someone is recounting the story. And, and then most of the story is told in, in retrospect. Um, and so there are comments like, I didn't know how fateful this would end up being. 
Um, and it's not too much. Like it, it just lends a kind of cool amount of tension uh, to the story. So I'd love to hear from listeners if you have enjoyed that series. And if you did, what other books like it you really enjoy? I'm kind of on a fantasy binge. Same. I always love a good fantasy book. So we will always take some listener recommendations on that. And what is your recommendation this week? I have been at home a lot recently because I'm moving. And dear God, I have watched so much Top Chef. Yeah. So much Top Chef. We've gone through uh, like five seasons of Top Chef. Oh my God. I know. I've been working from home this month, so I just have it on in the background. And good Lord, I, I thought I was a chopped devotee. I thought that was the peak of television cooking shows. Nah, it's Top Chef. It Top kind Chef of is, is Top Chef, y'all. Like, I, I was in the dark for so long, and now I've been brought to light with Padma and head judge Tom Colicchio and and our, our sons, Richard and Hugh. And, oh my God, it's so good. <laughs> and I then love Emerald challenges. shows up every once in a while like a cool uncle. I know. All the cool uncles come back sometimes. Oh, God, I love Grayson. And Gail, our wine aunt. God, Gail, our wine aunt, whose makeup is always flawless. Always good. God, Top Chef is really good, people. I read her um, her memoir about how she kind of got into the food world. Padma? Uh, no, Gail. Oh, cool. And it was excellent. I don't remember the name of it. You can probably Google it, but it is excellent. Yeah, uh, Padma has a book out as well about sort of like her experience with food, and, and it's a memoir about her life. I have not read it, but I was at Book Expo America the year that it came out. Oh, dang. So I remember her talk about it, and I was just like, dang, this woman is like beautiful and super smart and has lots of good things to say. Mm-hmm. Top Chef, y'all. Top Chef. Check it out. We Do you want to tell everyone what your favorite season is? Mm, I think it's probably season 13. Season 10 for me. Season 10 for you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I'm working my way backwards. I just finished season 9. Nice. So we, uh, we will let you know as time goes on. Yes, we will. So it is August, uh, a very quiet time of the year. Lots of folks on vacation. Um, but other podcasters are also on vacation. And you know what that means, Julia? It means we can steal the spotlight. We could totally steal the spotlight and rocket up those iTunes charts if y'all help us out by subscribing to our show in iTunes, in Apple Podcasts, from your iOS device or from any desktop computer of any maker model with iTunes installed. Uh, you can also rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, I think right now we're at 220 ratings, which is excellent. Thank you yes. so much for everyone who has rated us so far and for giving us those five stars. The more the merrier. The more you review and rate us on iTunes, the more people find the show. Absolutely. And between subscribing and reviewing us, it will help us uh, leap up those society and culture charts. I think we peaked at what, like 154 on the iTunes charts overall? On the overall, yeah. Yeah. And Actually, I would it might love... have been a little higher, 147 or something, something like that. Something like that. Uh, but I would love to get higher. And right now, while everyone else is on a beach and Julia and I are sweating in our respective apartments, working and packing, yes. uh, I would really love to uh, to take that spotlight. So we would very much appreciate those who have done it so far. But please help us out. Open your iPhone, open your computer, install iTunes, and subscribe to Spirits. Yes please we appreciate it and we love you very very much we love you like werewolves love the moon or hate the moon depending you'll see <laughs> say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastic into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Anyway, enjoy Spears Podcast Episode 42, Werewolves. So, Amanda, I've always been a werewolf girl over a vampire girl. I don't know about you. I totally agree. Animalistic. Lovely. Uh, uh, In touch with their emotions and wild side. I'm just also creeped out by the vampire, like, aesthetic of, oh, I'm way older than you, but we're going to have a romance anyway. Julia, it's like Kirk and Spock. Okay. The werewolf is all pathos. Yes. The vampire is all the mind. I can't remember what the actual word would be. Not I don't ethos, remember either one. <laughs> anyway, in one of our first Logos. Episodes. Logos. Logos. Hey, yes. Yay, yay. Okay. Sorry. 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 <laughs> okay. Um. So, Amanda. No, no, I'm not done. Okay. Sorry. And vampires are all Logos. Because the thing is, I identify as a vampire, I identify as a Spock, I identify as, as a Logos. So it's it's like nice and important to me to be able to have a, uh, a werewolf in my life. Okay, I identify as the pathos or ethos or whatever one we just said pathos it was. Props. Probably pathos. Um, it was like a minute and a half ago, but that feels so long. <laughs> just, just so No, long it was ago. like 20 seconds ago. <laughs> Keep going. Okay, anyway, so we're going to talk about werewolves today. Hey! Um, I want to chat about some werewolf legends from around the world, because let me tell you, there is a lot of them, and there are definitely some good ones. Wow. Um, so it is, Amanda, a werewolf roundup time. Werewolf roundup. Werewolf roundup. Oh. <laughs> That's a good combo. I liked that quite a lot. Okay. So first things first, let's cover the basic for werewolves. You know, you, you sat up straight in your chair. I really appreciate that. I did. Moon biting. Yeah. So Scratching. just in case any of our listeners aren't familiar with them, I just want to do a quick roundup and then we'll get to the different myths and legends of different areas. Um, so basically a werewolf is a human that can transform into a wolf, sometimes permanently, sometimes temporarily. In modern stories, we tend to associate the werewolf with transformation during the full moon. Uh, but that isn't necessarily the case with all stories. Really? Yeah. So if in human form, a werewolf was cut, fur would be seen around the wound. Which is creepy as hell. So, like, say you cut your finger with a kitchen knife. Oops! All of a sudden, all of a sudden, wolf form. Wow, that that surprises me too. Because the wolf form is probably presumably bigger than the human form. Yeah. Or if not, then at least like differently shaped. And so the idea that it's like literally like stuck beneath your skin is like creepy, but also sort of huh. So interestingly, when they were in wolf form, sometimes they were indistinguishable from just an ordinary wolf, except that they had no tail. Whoa. Um, so they were sometimes shown as being larger than regular wolves or would retain human eyes and a human voice. Wow. And after transformation, their human form would become weak, even debilitated, and would be prone to undergo painful nervous depression, which, like, same. Hey, that's that's why Ramus Lupin knows the benefits of chocolate. That is true. Because that poor, poor 13-year-old boy had to undergo his transformations in the Shrieking Shack all alone until his BFF and totally not his boyfriend, Sirius Black, convinced Ramus and Peter to become Animagi. What's his name? What James. You said Remus and Peter. <laughs> and how he convinced other Remus and yes. Wormtail uh, to to yeah. Man, I wish I wish James Potter were called other Remus. That kid needed to be taken down a notch. <laughs> 
everyone's like, he really you could. know, the cool, smart, kind Remus and that other guy. Like that would have just changed the other the, Remus. That would have changed the, the the fate of all of the books so quickly. Damn, that would have been really interesting. Like at at worst, Harry Potter would have been treated a lot better because he would be less of a like you know scorned child of like the the popular kid that nerds hated. <laughs> And you true. know what they say, that nerds will become your bosses one day, so be nice to them. That is super true. Yeah. Every 80s movie told us that. Amanda, how does one become a werewolf? Well, Jules, you get bit by one. That's actually not necessarily true. <laughs> Please enlighten me. So again, it's going to depend on where you are and what story is being told, but the simplest and probably least painful version is that one can transform simply by removing your clothes and putting on a belt that's made out of wolf skin. Uh, that sounds a lot more fun. Yes. Also, one could drink rainwater out of the footprint of an animal um, as a way of transforming into a werewolf. Not into that animal? Well, it would be, it would necessarily be a wolf. It would be a wolf paw. It would be a wolf paw. In France and in Germany, it was believed that if you were on a certain Wednesday or Friday, if you slept outside on a summer night with the full moon shining directly on your face, you would become a werewolf. What are the implications here? Like, were people idiots? And so that's why this happened? Did they want to do it? Were they doing a kind of like weird adventurous tourism? Well, there would be an interesting thing about black magic and deals with Satan later on in a werewolf mythology um but we will get there i promise but i, I want to go there now i know but just like 30 more seconds we got this these are all fairly innocent but there were some deaf less chill ways of becoming a werewolf does one of them involve being raped by a werewolf uh no good no rape no nice ra- what no. well actually mm, a little bit of rape later on in the story <sighs> i'm so sorry okay, okay. So we'll talk about that later, but there was the belief that the transformation came through a satanic deal um, and would lead to a hankering for human flesh. Dope. You know, the usual. Um, Same. (laughs) In some stories, it was actually a curse from God or the gods. In some stories in Catholicism, people who were excommunicated from the Roman Catholic Church became werewolves. Uh, that is pretty amazing. I, I know, love it a lot. Great. Same. As Roman Catholics, Same. you Same. know, totally. Yeah, as as like a as like a tiny queer kid growing up in the Roman Catholic Church, being like, "Oh no, I'm going to hell." Uh, I would much rather become a werewolf than just like straight up go to hell. I mean, that's fair. Become a werewolf on your way down to hell. That's so much more rad. And a queer werewolf, no less. That's yeah. pretty damn awesome. I know. We don't need the male werewolves. <laughs> I mean, apparently I'm about to have another... Uh... A werewolf. <laughs> that one. <laughs> yes. Okay. So there's actually a really interesting um, example in Roman Catholicism because St. Patrick was said to have transformed the Welsh king named uh, Veriticus uh, into a wolf. Veriticus? Probably one of those things. No one knows how to pronounce Welsh things. That's okay. The Welsh people do. There are like 35 people that speak Welsh fluently. Okay. Uh, Sorry, guys. Let us know why we fucked up. (laughs) Not if, but why. Um, Meanwhile, there was a story of a man named uh, Theus who claimed that he and other werewolves were the hounds of God uh, and that they were warriors who went down to hell to fight witches and demons. I'm picturing... How cool is that? I'm picturing the greasers from Greece 
with a bunch of pitchforks <laughs> and that's beautiful only they're wolves i like that and then that's they just like have trait. like like a single very greased quaff and like a leather jacket and and high-waisted jeans that reminds me of the original teen wolf movie and i'm all about it in later stories that would become more violent uh the transformation would become more violent uh so in this this is where we finally get the bite or the scratch from the wolf or another werewolf would turn the recipient into a werewolf as well assuming that they survived the attack and what was the reason for that becoming part of the deal? Like the like blood of Catholicism? Uh, no, you would assume actually that uh, we're finally starting to understand rabies as oh. a disease. So the idea that getting bitten or scratched by a wolf could, you know, turn a person rabid. And that would, you know, mess with their mind, become more angry. And the symptoms would kind of associate later on with werewolf uh, lycanthropy. Whoa, I love that. That's cool, right? Yeah. <laughs> Bring me back to my Victorian, you know, men scientists who were just like, my my parents are rich. I don't need a job. Therefore, I'm going to just like pour chemicals together until I die of poisoning. It sounds like Frankenstein. Sounds yeah, like a thing. it was amazing. If I could, if I could like go back in time, I would absolutely cross dress and just visit the like Royal Society in London and be like, y'all don't even know about like heliotropes and shit. Like <laughs> just, I, I just, uh, just to like be in that room where there was no qualifications. People just did shit. It was amazing. I like, like people dedicated their whole lives to the idea of like advancing knowledge in one very particular subject with no accreditation no publication like no glory necessarily it was amazing i mean that's how we got the theory of evolution darwin wasn't really anyone he was a lord who was going to be a priest and then he was like i'm gonna go look at birds and there were so many other things that someone like him could have done like one of my favorite poets is called gerard manley hopkins and he was like a fairly it's a rich great dude. middle name <laughs> no it is he was like a fairly rich dude who ended up becoming um a member of the clergy and he just like wrote poems quietly and kept them in his attic emily dickinson style cool um though she did try to get published and like was trying to like be a person but like misogyny she was a woman uh and probably bisexual and kind of depressed but but hopkins like was one of the most beautiful poets that i've ever read um and he was just like rich and idle and that's what he did with his time and instead he could have been like figuring out arsenic and and weird shit that's cool as hell anyway werewolves um so let's get into some more specific stories about werewolves let's do it hey you know amanda who would have guessed that the Greeks have some werewolf myths? I sure bet they do. Yes, they do. And they were called the Nuri. Bloody, kind of violent, kind of incesty, I bet. Well, sounds like the Greeks. So our boy Herodotus, you know. Oh, yes. Historical Herodotus. Our fave, uh, quote unquote, historian. Quote unquote. Who, who is just kind of like the only one we have and therefore the best one. But he's he's just like, I oh God, I wish I could get that guy drunk one day and just be like, so what actually? Like, what actually <laughs> did you see? And what was just like, some guy told me in a bar once, oh, it's the history of blank yeah i like it i'm into it i want to get her out of this drunk like thank you for your service to humanity but also you were just making shit up Okay, so Herodotus wrote about the Nuri, um, which was a tribe that were based on his stories that was located somewhere in the modern-day northern Ukraine. Hmm. Um, So they were driven from their land apparently around 550 BC by an invasion of serpents. You know, the typical thing. Okay, okay, Uh, And then were integrated into Scythian uh, custom. Scythians were a northern kind of part of Greek history. Okay, so exiles get reintegrated. They're now in Greek society. Yeah. 
snakes were after them. Now they're not. Yes. Um, but the problem was the Scythians saw them as like magic or magicians or what have you. And that's because the Neuri were said to change into wolves once a year. What? Uh, so the transformation would last several days and then the folks would just turn back to their normal human selves after that. How did that myth get started? I, I honestly do not know. Uh, wow. But side note, I wonder if this is, you know, d- does the whole society turn into wolves at the same time? Or is it like people who just happen to turn into wolves depending on the individuals? Um, I, it reminds me of as a child, I straight up thought that everyone, every woman or every person who has a period got their periods at the same time. Yeah, I thought you could like feel them feel them happening like when you have to pee and and you just like felt like oh okay well like it's it was building and now and now like it's got to happen. See, I just assumed, you know, because people would use dumb euphemisms when we were kids. Yeah, like, right. Oh, it's your time of the month. I'm like is it everyone's time is of the it, month it, at the same the time? Is it the 17th of this month? Like, yeah. What? <laughs> I was like, well, what exactly time is it? Because I need to know. I should prep and like buy a tampons very convenient. and stuff. Like, is it 4 p.m. on Friday? I gotta know. So, so my question is, were these people <laughs> turning into werewolves all at the same time? Or is it like periods where they just have them, you know, at different points in their monthly cycle man i think it's really interesting the the parallels there like there's obviously pack mentality mm-hmm. and there is you know you know a cycle with the moon which is tr- a traditionally feminine you know celestial body mm-hmm. um there is being possessed by a force that doesn't feel like you and i think you know lots of us who menstruate have been in the position where if you have particularly bad pms or pmdd like you have this i don't know like occurrence that feels alien to you that comes over you yeah. for a day or two or you three. feel different and you feel different to yourself but you are yourself and so is that part of you is it not like do you integrate it do you not do you feel alien to it like it's it's just such a oh and like not to speak anything of pregnancy too which is like another another freaking whole, whole arena it's nuts also why are all werewolves masculine like what know. is that deal that is weird i know so anyway I'm, i was just curious like with the economy does everyone turn to a wolf at once does it work out best for that it's the it's the monthly werewolf bank holiday julie that's, that's how they what deal i figured it. It that's was. actually why weekends were invented they <laughs> they take the they take the 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 monthly werewolf thing a long weekend where everyone turns into a wolf you, you know, know the casual it's labor kind day of thing. werewolf labor oh, day man, that's funny. like can't thrift labor day Mooney McMoonerson Day. Oh my god. All right. We need to stop. <laughs> okay. So going back to Greek myths, there's the story of Lycion, who was transformed into wolf because he ritually murdered a child. Oh. Not great. Um, he then served the human flesh to Zeus because he wanted to know if Zeus was truly a god. Um, what? Zeus obviously figures out what's going on and transforms Lycion into a wolf as punishment for the whole murder, cannibalism, general douchiness towards the gods kind of thing. Okay, two questions. Cool. One, why would eating child flesh or almost eating child flesh prove that Zeus was or wasn't a god? Well, it would prove that he doesn't know what's going on and therefore doesn't have that divine knowledge. As in he's not omnipotent or else he wouldn't have eaten this. Well, not even omnipotent. It's just the matter of... Like, a human would be at fault in that a god would not be. A god wouldn't do that action. Okay. You know what I mean? I do. And then secondly, why is being transformed into a wolf a punishment? Wolves are pretty dope. Well, because you're not human anymore. I suppose. Yeah. And that that's just, you know, it's the epitome for the Greeks is to be human. 
Oh, dude. Whoa. <laughs> I'm getting a whole thing unlocked in my mind right now. You know how the Greeks keep transforming people into animals and yes. it's punishment? It's almost because they elevate and deify humanity. I mean, just like all of humankind, really. It's almost like their gods are embodiments of, of like human characteristics and urges and downfalls. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, God. So, Amanda, there's another story by a Roman writer named Gaius Petrionis Arbiter. What a name. Uh, it's quite what a, a name. name. What a name. What a name. Um, what a mighty good name. Where there is a character who sees his friend transform into a wolf. And I have to read the quote from this writing. I'm so ready. It's so ridiculous. And it might just be the translation, but it's just very bad. Um, I see he'd stripped and piled his clothes by the roadside. He pees in a circle round his clothes. And then just like that, he turns into a wolf. Whoa. Which I just personally find the best way of transforming into a werewolf, to be honest. I mean, the idea, it, it's almost like a, like the most extreme example of a salt circle. Because like, <laughs> okay. what is urine but salt and waste? And I, I guess. you make a little fairy circle around it. I don't know. Okay. I was reading Irish fairy tales all morning. Damn, all right. And that's where my brain is. Okay. Um, so speaking of Ireland, let's get to Europe a little bit more. Okay. So in Europe, we actually didn't see werewolf stories come into play until about the 14th century. That's pretty late. Yeah, it is kind of late. But it, they, I'm sure there were some local myths, but it didn't really build into prominence until mm-hmm. the 14th century. Um, but there were a few instances of stories before that. Uh, the first use of the word werewolf, which is W-E-R-W-O-L-F. Okay. Without the double E. Werewolf like merman. Yes. Or, yeah. um, was in the 11th century, um, though there is no surviving poetry or fiction that makes a reference to it. It mm. was just kind of in a dictionary, basically, where they talk about what a werewolf is. But Man, that's so interesting. I love, by the way, y'all, if you haven't looked at like the Oxford English Dictionary or Merriam-Webster, if you if you must. Um, no, no, no shade. I just love the OED so much. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, but they cite the earliest known usage of every word. And so just to look back at the dictionary and be like, what is the first recorded use of the word long, right? Or like the word house. Sure. Or the, the you know, the adjective uh, beautifully. You know, it, it's I just like a that. super lovely uh, and like mind-bending enterprise. I'm into that. Let me know what your favorite word origins are. <laughs> okay. Um, traditionally, there were references to wolfmen in Germanic paganism, uh, which were promptly repressed by Christianity when it spread across Europe. Lol, don't worry, it's not pagan, it's fine. <laughs> Basically. Hashtag Christianity. But prior to this, some of the wolfman legends grew out of the Viking Age. Whoa, what were some Viking wolf things? Um, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Ulfhednyar. Uh, which were the wolf-coated men. Ooh. Um, so they were fighters similar to berserkers, but they dressed in wolf hides rather than bears like the berserkers did. What were those? Uh, berserkers were basically intense fighters. You, you know what the word berserker now means. Right. Or berserk like to go means berserk. like to go the craziest you can. Yeah, exactly. So they were these really intense fighters that were known throughout the Viking Age. They wow. Would, you know, the rape and pillage and all that kind of thing. But nice. they would wear bear pelts, whereas these dudes would wear wolf pelts. Was the idea to like imbue themselves with the spirit exactly. of the animal? Nice. You got it. Nice. Um, Turns out over a year and a half and 42 episodes, I've learned some stuff. I'm so proud of you. Thanks. Um, so they were said to channel the spirits of the animals. Thank you, Amanda. Woo. Particularly wolves because duh. And in order to enhance their effectiveness in battle. So in this instance, they were supposed to be resistant to pain and would kill their opponents viciously in battle, much like wild animals. 
so that's they're yeah. channeling that wolf spirit by doing that that's the idea i guess um so the norse would actually often associate it with the uh ulfhednar with odin uh father god yes you lightning know, thunder whatever nope thunder? wrong one no odin knowledge magic that who's thunder uh thor Damn it. So, Amanda, let's fast forward to the 16th century France, because this is where things get really intense. What kind of cheese did they have? Brie, I guess. What, what was, like, the, the cheese-making, like... Roquefort was a thing back then. Were they sophisticated? Were they, they not? Were, I mean, it was mostly monks just making cheese at this point, and Classic. a couple of farmers. Classic. Monks just, like, preserving knowledge, copying manuscripts, making cheese, making beer. Uh, excellent job, monks. So, team monks. So I want six- a monks. I want a team monks jersey, Julia. Team monks. Okay, we'll make that for you. Okay, I'm done. So, Amanda, 16th century France is where it gets intense because this is around the time where they start having the werewolf trials. <gasps> so, these are trials that are similar to or associated with the witch trials that started in the 15th century, then peaked at the 17th century, and then subsided with the 18th century. So the werewolf trials featured a couple of different accusations, usually lycanthropy, which was literally transforming into a wolf, um, but also wolf riding and wolf charming. Okay. Um, Which I guess are kind of weird things to accuse someone of, but since it's associated with the witch trials, it's not the craziest thing in the world. I mean, the idea of like uh, trying to solicit or have power over animals is the thing associated with with witchcraft, which we have seen in the trials and other places. Um, But in terms of like charming them, I don't know. But the reason that the werewolf trials become so prominent is because of a man named Peter Stump. And we're going to talk about Peter Stump. Oh, Peter Stump, why aren't there limericks about you? He's such a limerickable name. Well, you're going to see what he did, and then you could probably write a limerick about him, maybe. Uh, So Peter Stump was a German farmer who, after his trial in 1589, became known as the Werewolf of Bedburg. Okay. Um, What we know of Peter Stump comes from a pamphlet that was published in London in 1590, which was translated from a German print which no longer survived like there's no originals Mm. that survived um the pamphlet describes the life crimes and trial of stump including statements from his neighbors and witnesses to his crimes wow apparently well let me tell you a little bit more about peter stump before we get into his actual crimes uh because apparently the name stump might have been a pseudonym um as his left hand had been cut off yikes Um, and the alleged werewolf also had its left paw like his left front paw cut off which is supposedly proved his guilt that means they're the same yeah um so through torture which was a common practice during the werewolf witches trials uh uh, stump confessed to have been practicing black magic since he was 12 (gasps) saying that the devil had given him a magic belt that allowed him to transform into a wolf obviously they tried to find the belt but obviously they didn't oh Stump claimed that he had been a insatiable bloodsucker, his words, eating the raw flesh of goats, lambs, sheep, and men, women, and children. Okay. In human form or in werewolf form? A little bit of both. Um, He confessed to killing and eating 14 children, two pregnant women, including the fetuses. Uh, And one of the children he confessed to eating was his own son, whose brain he said he devoured. (gasps) Uh, wow, you don't hear about super historical serial killers a lot. Yeah, Yikes. but he was he was a big one. He was a big one. 
obviously they found him guilty. Um, he was executed by breaking, which I super don't want to describe here, but just know it, it's really bad and ends up with the beheading and his body being burned. That's all I need to know. So kind of going off of this, we have to talk about revenants for a second. Okay. Because there was a belief that permeated out of parts of Europe, particularly Greece, but also rural Germany, Poland, and North France, that believed that the corpses of werewolves, if not destroyed, will return to the, from the dead. I mean, fair enough if they're, like, possessed with shit. Yeah, of course. Um, so they would come back to life either as wolves or hyenas that would prowl battlefields drinking the blood of dying soldiers. Wolf corpses would turn into hyenas? Well, human corpses because if you kill a werewolf, it reverts oh. back to human form. Oh. So, but if a werewolf was not beheaded and burnt, like the body was not, you know, completely cremated, uh, they would come back as wolves or hyenas. I think it's really interesting that hyena is grouped in there because they're seen to be like a more evil or like, uh, I don't know, base version of a, of a wolf. That's interesting. I, I wouldn't associate I that. Um, but uh, I guess I guess Greece and those areas would have more of a negative connotation of the hyena than, I don't know, Africa would. That's true. Um, so anyway, uh, it was believed... Also, every time I watch a horror movie and they bury a body instead of burn it, like, what are you doing? Just a bad choice. What are you doing? Just a horror bad, bad movie choice. logic. Don't answer the phone. Lower all the windows. Lock all the doors. Run if you can. Uh, don't don't like have sex with your boyfriend when there's a creepy child downstairs. And finally, no no body burying. Burn them all. Good job. Burn them all. That was great. Burn them all. <laughs> good good horror roundup for you. Okay, um, so it was believed that if people died in mortal sin, they would come back to life as blood-drinking wolves known as revenants. Same. Um, <laughs> cool. <laughs> they would have dealt with, uh, they were dealt with by decapitation of a spade or an exorcism by the parish priest. The head was then thrown into a stream where the weight of its sins would weigh it down. <gasps> nice love it love the corporeality of sin babe yeah um so if this is sounding familiar it's basically the same thing that we would do to kill a vampire more or oh. less uh fun fact some eastern european countries would link the two together in serbia the word for vampire and wolf are both voldalak wow that's Those cool right? two very different creatures to call the same word i mean i guess because you know uh, in certain vampire lore, vampires can turn into wolves as well as bats or like that sort of thing. Um, and the blood sucking with the werewolf kind of comes into play yeah, as well. Yeah, but then like eat flesh. But to me, they're such like, they are Kirk and Spock. Like they're such opposites of, of similar like human impulses. Right. And I think that's a very modern interpretation of yes. both of those things. If we're going back historically, um, it's just I like think it becomes a little you. bit more muddied. Yeah, for sure. So Julia, you're probably saying... Uh, we really only have Oh, talked. I was like, are you addressing yourself? I am addressing that myself. That is a plot twist. <laughs> so, Julia, you're probably saying, we've really only talked about Europe. Usually in a roundup, we go all around the world. Mm -hmm. um, and you would be right. But the thing is, wolves are very much an American-European thing. They are. Um, but cats, Amanda. Because <gasps> werecats are apparently much more widespread because big cats are everywhere. Oh, my God. So much better. Why are werewolves a thing? <laughs> So, for example, in India, there is a were-tiger story about a dangerous sorcerer who would transform uh, into a human-slash-tiger. Oh, my God. Um, he was considered a menace to livestock, and stories would warn that he could turn into a man-eater at any moment. <gasps> 
in China, where tigers were also supposedly victims of a hereditary curse or a vindictive ghost, depending on what your story the human is. Uh, but yeah, tying it to bloodlines is really Whoa. important, which I really like. Um, other stories included that the ghosts of people who were killed by tigers would become supernatural beings known as Chang, who would devote their energy into making sure that tigers killed more humans. AKA kids don't play in the forest alone. There's fucking tigers out there. Yeah, dude. It's the Chinese version of the Kelpie. Yeah, pretty yeah. much actually. Um, in Thailand, they had the opposite of traditional werewolf myths where a tiger that eats many humans would become a were tiger. <gasps> so by eating more humans, it became more human-like. And was that desirable or not? Uh, no. Because I mean, you don't want the worst. Uh, you don't want tigers to eat more humans too. no for the tiger was it like a, a weird experience i don't think the tiger had many thoughts on the process <laughs> like, i could be wrong i but... wouldn't be stuck in this flesh prison if i didn't have to be i mean but a tiger's in a flesh prison already man i know but like probably a better flesh prison i mean i guess We'll see. Okay. How about some were jaguars? <gasps> a lot of central Mesoamerican cultures venerated the jaguar and the priests and shamans would follow a tradition of wearing the skins of a jaguar to become a were jaguar through ritual. Wow. I mean, they're amazing. And also like, don't you ever look in the eyes of big cats in videos and be like, you're a person. Yeah. I do. I do that with dogs a lot. I look in their eyes and I go, oh, you have people feelings. Uh, hmm. That's why I think, I think pets are kind of weird, y'all. It's like just another creature in my house. Well, that's I, why people refer to them as fur babies. I, I, I tell it. Which, uh, people I do like that, that, man. All like right. That. Well, you don't have to. Similarly to how I grew up Catholic and I'm, I'm just like, that's like a big influence. I had no pets growing up. And so the well, that's idea. Because you're allergic to everything. I'm allergic to the entire world. Yes. And so the idea of just having like another creature in my house that is not a human that's blood related to me. is just kind of like, what? Okay. Fair enough. Uh, going back to the were jaguars, the Aztecs specifically had an entire class of specialized warriors that were known as jaguar warriors. There are stories from the Balams of Yucatan, uh, which were said to guard their maize fields in animal form and would gain this ability from being clawed, scratched, or looked directly in the eye of a jaguar. <gasps> which, like, you know, you just said, look in the eye of a jaguar yeah. or a big cat. You'd be a were jaguar if you followed this mythology. I mean... If I, if I would be so honored. <laughs> That's true. You would be honored. That would be cool. So I want to be a jungle cat. Yeah, I would too. I wrote a novel as a kid, which was like someone whose parents were divorced or something and was like being shuttled between one parent and the other, or was like being sent from Brazil to America or something and just kind of like ran away to the Amazon and then ended up like living Tarzan style, like among the apes and stuff. Nice. And like another like village urchin became her companion Anyway, and I, I just really like that idea, and I super would love to, like, live among the trees. I like it. I'm into it. Um, so, Amanda, Africa? Fuck yeah. Africa has some amazing were-lions, panthers, and leopards. Please tell me more. Uh, were-leopards were actually supposed to be leopard god or goddesses that were masquerading as human, though apparently they couldn't do the whole human thing looking right um but these gods would mate with humans and then the children that were born would sometimes grow up into shapeshifters particularly into leopard shapeshifters where lions were typically associated with royalty a king or queen who after their death would become a were lion or a spirit that was destined to rule whoa yeah. i love that so much super cool right yeah um actually a great story of that is the lions of savo 
which were said to be kings in lion shape who attempted to rebel against the invading Europeans by stopping their railroad by attacking humans. So I there's love that. the lions of Zavo are a real historical thing. Yeah. Where they were just man eating lions that were eating the Europeans as they tried to build a railroad through Africa. And it was fucking insane. So the uh, local mythology was that yeah, these were yeah. former kings that were killed and then became these Ugh. lions to protect the homeland. Oh my God. I love that. Like, A, Europeans, what you're doing is wrong. And like, the, the all of nature is being like, fuck, stop. But also, I love the idea of giving kings and queens, like, they have always had divine inspiration and divine ties, um, divine right to do what they're doing. And I love the idea that they are being uh, tied to, like, defending with all of their might, with their bodies and blood, the, like, present state of their kingdom. I like that a lot, too. Um, America? We Let's got some it. stuff there, too. Let's go. Um, for example, the Navajo believed in witches who would wear wolf clothing and transform, and they were called the Mycob. The Nascapis uh, believed in the caribou afterlife, which was guarded by giant wolves that would kill careless hunters who'd ventured too near because the afterlife, in their belief, was a physical place. Whoa. Um, there's a story of the Loup Garou, which is a cross between French werewolf myths and Native American stories about the Wendigo. I want to know And focused mainly in Canada, upstate New York, and the upper and lower peninsulas of Michigan. Uh, the Cherokee had the Wampus Cat, uh, which was also known as the Uwa, uh, who was a woman who disguised herself in the skin of a cougar to spy on the men in her tribe. <gasps> when she was found out, the medicine man punished her by turning her into a half-woman, half-cougar monster. I mean, I would still um, I hang would, out with her. I would do it anyway. Would, would, you said it because I didn't have to. I know. Would hang out anyway. Um, it was said that the Wampus Cat was a spirit of death and the earth, and when her cry was heard, it means someone was going to die and be buried in the next three days. <gasps> oh, I love it so much. And reminds me of the Banshee and of other yes. kind of myths around the foretelling of death. I always love a good foretelling of death myth. Mm, me too. Um, in Haiti, there's a superstition about werewolf spirits that are known as Jerouge, which means red eyes. Ooh. Um, and they would possess the bodies of unwilling victims, transforming them into cannibalistic lupine creatures who were also known for trying to steal away children from their mothers. Any person or like sinners? Uh, just any person. Just an unwilling person. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? Just, anyone's open just for life. it. Just life. Yeah, it just happens. So Amanda, those are our werewolf myths for the time being. Tried to hit up every area I could. But wow. But how do you feel about the werewolf now? Still I a werewolf fan? so amazed. Still super a fan. And I also want to do vampire myths because I have will. so much to discuss about how those two compare. I want to get a good guest for vampire myths. Yeah. someone i'm sure one of our listeners or someone we know would be a excellent vampire myth person because there is so much like human impulse and human urges that are all like drawn up in these werewolf myths there is like i don't know like fidelity and ruling and passion hunger uh you know betrayal betrayal uh addiction in some ways like an yeah. addiction to flesh or to blood yeah. appetite like all the things we talk about with orzuli danter mm -hmm. and kind of other other uh, mythological figures kali that are all about appetite mm -hmm. and i i love it so much Ugh, it's a good one right i love a good werewolf myth i think they really speak for themselves so i don't think we're gonna dive too deep into this one but one thing that i really do love about a werewolf myth is that it allows you as a as a human being space to think about or even just to acknowledge a part of you that feels insatiable 
Yeah, and I feel like a lot of time human beings don't feel feel very distant from our natural base animalistic urges. Yeah. And I feel as though the werewolf is taking that to the extreme and it's easy to find a middle point where it's, oh, we are very pure human beings who everything is logical. And then the werewolf where there's insane base desires. Uh, and I think as human beings, we have to straddle that line very carefully. We do. And and like the the where the existence of the werewolf myth kind of tells us like it has value and is worthwhile to at least just acknowledge this stuff. Like some part of you wants to become an animal. Some part of you wants to become a different person. Mm-hmm. Some part of you wants to have no ration or logic or ruling um, impulse except for like desire. And to be able to talk about that um, or at least talk about someone in the village who is that. Uh, I don't know. I think it has real value. That village talking shit. Man. <laughs> fucking Martha four doors down. What the fuck? She's the reason Peter Stump got broken. She sure is, dude. Yeah, damn. And her kid looks a little bit like Peter, didn't he? A little like, bit, yeah. A little bit. I didn't say that. A little bit. Peter also had like a whole like incest thing going on <laughs> with this thing, but I kept it out of the story. But all right. <laughs> Yeah, to bring it up. Well, I would love to hear from listeners if you have uh, local werewolf myths. I super duper want to hear about them. Yeah. So, Amanda, I think this is the perfect time to remind our listeners to stay creepy. Stay cool. And don't eat human flesh unless you're a werewolf. Bye. Or or just don't eat human flesh. (laughs) That would be cool, I guess. Spirits was created by Julia Shafini and me, Amanda McLaughlin. It's edited by Eric Schneider with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Subscribe to Spirits on your preferred podcast app to make sure you never miss an episode. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Tumblr at Spirits Podcast. On our Patreon page, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast, you can sign up for exclusive content like behind-the-scenes photos, audio extras, director's commentary, blooper reels, and beautiful recipe cards with custom drink and snack pairings. If you like the show, please share with your friends and leave us a review on iTunes. It really does help. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time. <laughs>